Welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Today is Thursday, December 16, 2021. Let's take a look at today's charts. At number one, we got BDC $49,091.55, up 1.31%. Ethereum $4,041.19, up 4.05%. Binance Coin $542.19, up 2.28%. Tether at number four, $1. Number five, Solana, $179.01, up 10.01%. Cardano at number six, $1.32, up 3.49%. USD coin, $1. XRP, number eight, 83 cents, up 2.33%. Polkadot at number nine, $27.27, up 3.54%. And last but not least, number 10, Avalanche, $101.82, up 15.53%. Let's take a look at the Crypto Fear and Greed Index. Uh, so extreme fear can be a sign that investors are too worried. That could be a buying opportunity. And when investors are getting too greedy, that means the market is due for a correction. What we got today is fear at 29. Yesterday was fear at 28. Last week was fear at 29. And last month was greed at 71. Let's take a look at our five articles today. Article number one is a beginner's guide to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Article two, Dorsey names board members of his Bitcoin endowment with Jay-Z. Article three, how to ensure heirs avoid a password-protected nightmare. Article four, with the lengthening of market cycle, expect the unexpected from Bitcoin. And last but not least, article number five, Bitcoin and Ethereum keep falling, is now the time to buy the dip. All right. Before we get into the articles, just want to say thank you so much for all my supporters and all my uh, subscribers. Thank you so much for checking in Dave's Daily Crypto Take. You can catch me on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And if you're in the YouTube space, like, share, and subscribe. Other than that, let's keep on going. Article number one is a beginner's guide to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Curious about crypto? Here's everything you need to know. Cryptocurrency reached a peak in 2021. Bitcoin once again notched an all-time high valuation, surpassing $65,000. Early in the year, it had dipped below $30,000. And this year, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general penetrated deeply into financial services as well as the culture, gaining an expanding foothold in popular art, commerce, and other corners of the mainstream. If you're looking for a primer on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, you're in the right place. We'll take a look at the basics, what Bitcoin is, where it comes from, and how to buy it, as well as a range of other topics, including valuation, legality, and its practical applications. But first, a quick backstory. Bitcoin was invented in 2009 by a person or a group who called himself Satoshi Nakamoto. His stated goal was to create a new electronic cash system that was completely decentralized with no server or central authority. After cultivating the concept and technology in 2011, Nakamoto turned over the source code and domains to others in the Bitcoin community and subsequently vanished. So what is Bitcoin? Simply put, Bitcoin is a digital currency, no bills to print or coins to mint. It's decentralized. There's no government institution like a bank or other authority that controls it. Owners are anonymous. Instead of using names, tax IDs, or social security numbers, Bitcoin connects buyers and sellers through encryption keys. And it isn't issued from the top down like traditional currency. Rather, Bitcoin is mined by powerful computers connected to the internet. So how does one mine Bitcoin? A person 
or group or company mines Bitcoin by doing a combination of advanced math and record keeping. Here's how it works. When someone sends a Bitcoin to someone else, the network records a transaction and all of the other transactions made over a certain period of time in a block. Computers running special software, the miners, inscribe these transactions in a gigantic digital ledger. These blocks are known collectively as the blockchain, an internal, openly accessible record of all the transactions that have ever been made. Using specialized software and increasingly powerful and energy-intensive hardware, miners convert these blocks into sequences of code known as a hash. This is more dramatic than it sounds. Producing a hash requires serious computational power, and thousands of miners compete simultaneously to do it. It's like a multitude of chefs feverishly racing to prepare a new, extremely complicated dish, and only the first one to serve up a perfect version of it ends up getting paid. When a new hash is generated, it's placed at the end of the blockchain, which is then publicly updated and propagated. For their trouble, the miner currently gets 12.5 bitcoins, which in February 2018 was worth roughly $100,000. Note that the amount of awarded bitcoins decreases over time. So what determines the value of a Bitcoin? Ultimately, the value of a Bitcoin is determined by what people will pay for it. In this way, there's a similarity to how stocks are priced. The protocol established by Satoshi Nakamoto dictates that only 21 million Bitcoins can ever be mined. Almost 19 million have been mined so far, so there is a limited supply. Like with gold and other precious metals, but no real intrinsic value, there are numerous mathematical and economic theories about why Nakamoto chose the number 21 million. This makes Bitcoin different from stocks, which usually have some relationship to a company's actual or potential earnings. Without a government or central authority at the helm, controlling supply value is totally open to interpretation. This process of price discovery, the primary driver of volatility in Bitcoin's price, also invites speculation. Don't mortgage your house to buy Bitcoin and manipulation, hence the well-documented talk of tulips and bubbles. Bitcoin has made Satoshi Nakamoto a billionaire many times over, at least on paper. It's minted plenty of millionaires among the technological pioneers, investors, and early Bitcoin miners. The Winklevoss twins who parlayed a $65 million Facebook payout into a venture capital fund that made early investments in Bitcoin are now well-known billionaires, according to Fortune. So how do I buy Bitcoin? If you're willing to assume the risk associated with owning Bitcoin, there is an increasing number of digital currency exchanges like Coinbase and FTX where you can buy, sell, and store Bitcoins. Getting started is as mainly, minimally complicated as setting up a PayPal account. With Coinbase, for example, you can use your bank or PayPal account to make a deposit into a virtual wallet, of which there are many to choose from. Once your account is funded, which usually takes a few days, you can then exchange traditional currency for Bitcoin. Speaking of PayPal, a number of established money services now offer in-app Bitcoin purchasing, which makes it quick and easy for beginners to get their toes wet. It's also worth noting that some platforms charge considerably higher fees to make certain transactions, which can end up eroding your investment if you do a lot of trading. So you should read the terms carefully before buying to make sure you understand limitations of service. So what can I do with Bitcoin? Well, there are some places where you can spend Bitcoin. Many people just hang on to them, like you would with other long-term investments. 
The price volatility of Bitcoin makes it difficult to transact day-to-day -day purchases. Is all of this legal? Short qualified answer, yes. For now, as long as like any currency, you don't do illegal things with it. For instance, Bitcoin was the sole currency accepted on Silk Road, the dark web marketplace for drugs and other illicit goods and services that was shuttered by the FBI in 2013. Since then, Bitcoin has largely invaded uh, regulation and law enforcement in the U.S., although it's under increased scrutiny as it attracts the mainstream attention of institutional investors. Though it's legal to buy and sell Bitcoin, many aspects of the industry, such as tax concerns for investors, still occupy a gray area that could be vulnerable to future regulation and or law enforcement action. So what are the risks? Legal and regulatory hazards aside, as both as investment and currency, Bitcoin is very risky. When you wake up in the morning, you know pretty precisely how much a dollar can buy. The financial value of a Bitcoin, however, is highly erratic and may swing widely from day to day and even hour to hour. It's very difficult, though not impossible, for Bitcoin transactions to be traced back to individuals. Though they're secure, they're also obscured through the use of public and private encryption keys. This pseudonymity can be appealing, especially with companies and marketers increasingly tracking our every purchase. But it also comes with drawbacks. You can never be certain who is selling you Bitcoin or buying them from you. Opportunities for money laundering are bound. Their theft is also a risk, and there are limited avenues for pursuing refunds, challenging a transaction, or recovering such losses. Once a transaction hits the blockchain, it's final. Okay, so what about... Wait, there are more risks? Because Bitcoin is still relatively new decentralized technology there is plenty of murkiness and many unknowns. Even the technical rules for mining are still evolving and up for debate. The IRS views Bitcoin as property, not currency, and there are tax implications. In 2017, a federal judge ruled that Coinbase must surrender records to the IRS on transactions of $20,000 or more. Coinbase's regulation troubles have continued into this year with the SEC blocking a new lending product Coinbase planned to release in September 2021. Then there's the fundamental question of whether you should trust a particular exchange. The federal rules surrounding cryptocurrency exchanges are still being hashed out, and exchanges have been hacked as recently as late 2021. So are there other cryptocurrencies? Yes, there are thousands with more sprouting up every day. Aside from Bitcoin, which is the real progenitor of them all, other well-known alternative currencies include Ether, Sol, and ADA. So. There you guys have it. What do you think about this article? A beginner's guide to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Should you add to the list or you think this list is perfect? Let's get into the next one. Article number two. Dorsey names board members of his Bitcoin endowment with Jay-Z. Twitter co-founder and Block CEO Jack Dorsey announced the board members of his Bitcoin development endowment in collaboration with Jay-Z today. The two previously announced their intention to give 500 BTC to set up B-Trust, an endowment to fund Bitcoin development with a starting focus on teams based in Africa and India. When he unveiled a plan for a blind trust in February, Dorsey said he needed three board members. Today, he named four. Carla Kirk Cohen, Abu Bakar Nurkhalil, Obi Nowosu, and Ojoma Ochiai. 
All four have worked to promote Bitcoin development efforts across Africa. Dorsey said a team selected the four developers from a pool of 7,000 applicants. They'll now work towards defining the operating principles as they think about how to distribute the 500 Bitcoin towards development efforts, said Dorsey's tweet. Dorsey has been a longtime supporter of Bitcoin, adding the cryptocurrency to the balance sheet of his payments firm, Block. The firm rebranded from Square earlier this month to signal a broader push into crypto. Block additionally has an ongoing grant program to fund the development of Bitcoin technology. So this one was a quick one. Dorsey names board members of his Bitcoin endowment with Jay-Z. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right. Article number three. How to ensure heirs avoid a password-protected nightmare. Deborah Placid had no idea how to access her husband's cryptocurrency and other digital accounts after his unexpected death at age 52. The funny thing is, we're in the advisory uh, advisory business, said Placid, managing partner of Scottsdale, Arizona-based RJP Estate Planning. Placid turned to IT forensic experts to help her access accounts, including her husband's IRA. It's taking a lot of work and a lot of effort, she relays. After nearly three years, however, she reports that she still has not gained access to her late husband's Bitcoin account. This year, Bitcoin reached an all-time high price of nearly $69,000 per coin. Placid's situation illustrates that even financial planners may not consider until too late how difficult it can be to recover and access a loved one's accounts after they have died. Given how broad our digital footprints are, it's increasingly important for people to provide passwords and other account information to their heirs, advisors, or estate lawyers long before access becomes an urgent necessity. In years past, a trustee could get a reasonable picture of a deceased person's finances simply by having their physical mail forwarded. But that pile of bills and brokerage statements is now largely paperless. Gaining access to these accounts can be extremely difficult for the heirs if they do not have the proper information. As digital accounts are protected by a mix of strong passwords, encryption, multi-factor authentication processes, fingerprint, and facial recognition technology, and federal data privacy laws. With online banking, you could miss a lot, says Doug Sherby, president at Arden Trust Co. in Wilmington, Delaware. This is a really big topic for us and our clients. Creating a list of digital accounts and instructions on how to gain access to them is now akin to having a traditional will or a trust in estate planning. Placid and other advisors say this list should include not only financial assets, but social media and other accounts. Digital accounts that loved ones or advisors may need to access following a death include 1. Traditional financial accounts, bank accounts, retirement accounts, PayPal, and Venmo accounts. Cryptocurrency wallets, non-fungible token assets. Home payment and utilities accounts, mortgage, electricity, gas, cable, internet, home insurance. Health-related accounts, insurance, electronically stored medical records. Email accounts, social media accounts, Facebook and Instagram. Smartphone accounts, storage and file sharing accounts, Dropbox, domain names for websites, photo, music, and video accounts, YouTube, Shutterstock, SoundCloud, e-commerce seller accounts, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, subscriptions, streaming services such as Netflix, Hulu, newspaper, music services such as Spotify, loyalty reward programs such as airline miles, hotel credits, etc. that may be transferable to heirs. Patrick Simasco, elder law attorney and wealth preservation 
specialist at Simasco Law in Mount Clements, uh, Michigan, advises making a list of accounts, passwords, and access information, keeping it up to date as information changes and letting a trusted person be its executor, advisor, or estate planning attorney know where it is. If you pass away and your kids don't have that password list, it is a nightmare. Simasco says, we're starting to see it a lot more. Nobody wants paper statements. Everybody wants online accounts and online notifications. If heirs and advisors or executors have the proper password and other information for all such accounts, they should face far fewer complications when it comes to actions, including canceling online subscriptions and accessing less regulated financial accounts that could contain substantial sums such as cryptocurrency wallets. Estate holders should also understand with each digital account, if there is a specific process their heirs must go through to gain access, particularly if the account has multi-layered or biometric rather than simple password protection, this process should then be communicated clearly in the estate plan. Cryptocurrency platform Coinbase, for one, offers a process to help heirs of deceased account holders access assets. The platform advises potential heirs to first gather forms, including a death certificate, will or probate documents, a valid photo ID of the deceased, and a letter signed by those named in probate records outlining what's to be done with the account balance. While some crypto holders have their coins in a web wallet such as Coinbase, there are several ways to hold these assets, including through private keys on hardware devices not connected to the internet. No matter the type of account, crypto holders should provide detailed instructions on how heirs can access the coins and note in their estate plans who should inherit them or risk the possibility that the coins will never be recovered. So a digital maze, one of Neo Shah's clients was a physician who frequently shifted accounts, chasing incentives, leaving more of a maze for his wife and adult children to sort through. We did a lot of investigative work, and it ended up costing them some money, says Shah, a financial advisor and owner of Beacon Wealth Solutions in New Jersey. The doctor had been born and lived abroad, leaving his heirs feeling uncertain as to whether they had found all of his assets. There's a real need for people to think about it and have a plan in place, even if it's as simple as, here's a piece of paper with all my usernames and passwords, says Benjamin Trulio of St. Louis-based wealth advisory firm Comprado. Sherry encourages clients to make a list of all their digital assets and their access information, but discourages keeping such a list at home, advising that they are better off in a safe deposit box or with an attorney. Passwords should not be included in a will itself, as the document is part of the public record in probate, he stresses. Companies such as Vault 12 and FidSafe also offer backup recovery and digital inheritance solutions. Social media legacies, when it comes to non-tangible assets such as social media accounts, people should think about how they want their digital existence to be managed after they are gone. Some people are uncomfortable with the idea of the Facebook page staying live out there when someone has passed away, says Trulio. We see more and more estate planners, including wording, giving the executor the ability to act on behalf of the deceased, to shut them down or transfer interest in the social media to their trust. Facebook users 18 and older can add a legacy contact of someone they'd like to look after their account once they've died, including the ability to request the account's deletion or turn it into a memorial site. 
Overall, clients and their advisors should be well aware of how important it is to improperly pass on digital assets that have both financial and sentimental value to their heirs. Being prepared well ahead of time can help heirs avoid additional pain and complications as they liquidate a loved one's estate and ensure they don't lose out on significant financial assets hidden behind an impenetrable digital wall. So there you guys have it. What do you think about this article? How to ensure heirs avoid a password-protected nightmare? Comment down below and let me know what you guys think about this. Is it important to have a password list to give to your loved ones? Or do you think you should keep it all private? All right. Before we get into round two of the articles, just want to say thank you so much to all my supporters. I've been looking at the analytics and a shout out to all the people in the States, in Canada, in Portugal, Philippines, in China, and also in many parts of South America. Thank you so much for all your continued support. And if you have any friends or family that are interested in unbiased crypto news, news that are for crypto and against crypto, check out Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Spotify, Google, or podcasts. Other than that, let's get into round two. Article number four. With the lengthening of market cycle, expect the unexpected from Bitcoin. The Bitcoin market finally seems to have regained its footing following the volatile deleveraging event last week as BTC's price finally retested the $48,800 mark. Over the last week, Bitcoin prices were largely range-bound between the lower $45,600 and higher $51,000 mark. As BTC finally retested the $48,850 mark, the anticipation of a bullish turn increased in the market, but was it too soon to expect that? Another dip could knock the door. Fear and uncertainty still gripped the BTC market ahead of a key Fed meeting. The Crypto Fear and Greed Index stood at 28 out of 100, up from the Tuesday low of 21, presenting a transition from extreme fear to fear, further reflecting the market sentiment for BTC. However, looking at the realized cap 70 oscillator, it was evident that the BTC market has begun to see some significant loss realization, somewhat similar to May 2021. Analysts anticipated that we might stay in this ranging phase before getting back to green days. Further, the short-term hodlers, SOPR, revealed that the uh, overall trend was on the negative side, meaning that STH was selling mostly in loss. With the anticipated BTC top looking like a distant dream, one reason for the consolidation could be the lengthening Bitcoin cycles. BTC cycles lengthening, looking at the lengthening cycle in terms of the actual retest of the black 0.5 FIB curve, uh, support, it can be seen that in 2013, when the retest of the 0.5 FIB curve was complete, it took BTC very little time to rally to the top of the Bitcoin log growth curve channel to peak in its bull market. While in 2017, it took BTC almost three months to rally to the top after retest of the level. So it's possible with the cycle strengthening, BTC is taking more time to test the levels. Notably, post the recent halving, Bitcoin retraced 39% since rejecting the $69,000 zone. A similar retracement was seen in 2017 when BTC dropped by 40% at a similar point in the cycle. So BTC is pretty much doing the same thing right now, down by 39% and in the process of retesting the yellow 0.382 FIB curve as support. For now, for BTC to be back on track, it's almost maintaining the yellow 
0.382 fib curve as support just like it did in 2013 and 2017. So it seems like with the recent consolidation and the possibility of BTC cycles lengthening, it'll be best to sit tight and wait as a new top might be a little far. What do you guys think about this article right here? So with the lengthening of market cycle, expect the unexpected from Bitcoin. All right, let's take a look at our last and main topic today. Bitcoin and Ethereum keep falling. Is now the time to buy the dip? Bitcoin and Ethereum are both on a major downward slide. Bitcoin is down over 32.4% from its new all-time high on November 10 and is, at the time of writing, trading for $46,756. Ethereum has followed suit, although it hasn't fallen as sharply as Bitcoin. It's down 22.6% from its November 10 all-time high and is currently trading at $4,878. Despite the recent decline in value, both cryptocurrencies have still performed extremely well this year. Bitcoin is up 144.2% year-to-date, while Ethereum is up an impressive 539% from January the 1st. Investors and analysts are concerned that if Bitcoin continues to fall below its 200-day moving average of $46,720, then crypto may be entering a sustained bear market. So where are Bitcoin and Ethereum headed? Should investors follow the strategy of El Salvador's President Nayib Bukele and buy the dip? Or should they strap themselves in for a few more weeks of downward price action? If there's one thing that crypto investors are used to, it's volatility. However, that many crypto pundits don't realize is that the crypto markets where Ethereum and Bitcoin remain, the primary movers are actually highly correlated with activity in the broader global market. As the Fed scrambles to control inflation and the new Omicron variant slows economic recovery, investors in both crypto markets and global equities are proceeding with caution, though miners are still hammering away with their digital pick accesses. As reported by Yahoo Finance, chief economist from Goldman Sachs, Jan Huysis, has said Omicron could exacerbate good supply shortages if the virus spreads in other countries' necessities tight restrictions. This was a major problem during the Delta wave, but increases in vaccination rates in foreign trade partners since then should limit the scope for severe supply disruptions. Omicron could also delay the timeline for such people feeling comfortable returning to work and cause worker shortages to linger somewhat longer. The other major factor driving down prices is the new Jerome Powell-led Federal Reserve, which is starting to take a different approach to fiscal policy, focusing on controlling inflation rather than providing support to assets. Consequently, the Bank of America's chief investment strategist, Michael Harnett, has sounded a bearish warning call. He warned that 2021-2022 investment backdrop is similar to early stagflation of late 60s, early 70s period of inflation and interest rates breaking higher on back of high budget deficits. The winners were real assets, real estate, commodities, volatility, cash, emerging markets, all of which held their own versus inflation. The losers were bonds, credit, equities, tech, all of which ultimately struggled. We think we're currently in the 69 to 71 period. Arnett is bearish for 2022, expecting a rate shock to slow down financial growth and keep markets on a gradual decline. 
Despite this, many prominent investors believe that crypto assets, particularly Bitcoin, are actually safe havens against broader market downturns and will eventually prove to be a long-term hedge against inflation. So is Bitcoin really a safe place to store cash for the long term? Nigel Green, CEO of Devere Group, who had previously forecasted that Bitcoin could hit $100,000 by year end, says that he isn't concerned by crypto's short-term price action and is adding even more Bitcoin and Ethereum to his portfolio. Green said, I am confident that digital currencies are the inevitable future of money. In our increasingly tech-driven, globalized world, it makes sense to hold digital borderless decentralized currencies. In addition, adoption and demand are increasing all the time whilst at the same time, supply is decreasing. Mark Chandler, the chief market strategist at Bamcopern Global Forex, has other ideas. The idea is that at it matured, the volatility would ease and has not really materialized. The volatility is deadly and its other supposed attributes like a hedge against inflation seem spurious. Ultimately, crypto markets will continue to be volatile and the broader sentiment among crypto bulls hasn't changed. If you're a firm believer in crypto and you invest with a long-term price target in mind, buying the recent dip may prove to be a profitable investment strategy. Remember, this article is intended for informational purposes only. This is not financial advice. Never invest more money than you can afford to lose into any crypto. So there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article? Bitcoin and Ethereum keep falling. Is now the time to buy the dip? Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right, let's take a look at the prices one last time before we head out. Number one, BTC is at $49,091. Ethereum, $4,041. Binance Coin, $542. Tether, $1. Solana, $179. Cardano, $1.32. USD Coin, $1. XRP, $0.83. Cents. Polkadot, $27, and Avalanche at $101. So there you guys have it. Thank you so much for making it this far into the Dave's Daily Crypto Take podcast and YouTube video. Again, you can catch me on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and in the YouTube space, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great crypto day, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.